Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pandemic Professors Podcast. This is episode 13, if you can believe it. And we're here to talk about all things pandemic. We laugh a lot, but we take are, are taking this virus very seriously. But it is a weird time for those of us in the academic world. Um, I'm Carol Pardon. And I'm Kelly Bowling. And we're here to get the podcast going. So, Kelly, who is our guest today? Yes, well, our guest today is uh, Kim Fox. Kim is a full professor at the American University in Cairo, where she is in the Department of Journalism and Mass Communication teaching audio production and multimedia writing. I am excited to have Kim. I do think it says a lot about you and I that we've now invited two people on the podcast (laughs) that actually know what they're doing. That's right. So it does say a lot about us. Either we're um, bold and optimistic or we are so clueless that we feel we can continue bringing experts onto the show. They can mock us. (laughs) But Kim is is an awesome uh, person, a brilliant academic. I am so excited to have Kim with us because um, I I guess I have looked up to her for probably the last four years or so as I've been researching podcasts because I, I know that she is very into that same medium like I am. Her Twitter handle actually says the podcast professor. Oh, Um, So I love that about Kim. And I was an audience member in a panel that Laura Smith facilitated at the last AEJ conference. And Kim was on that panel and just blew me away. The whole panel was phenomenal. Uh, But I finally got the chance to talk to Kim in person after that panel. Um, And I loved her just as much in person as I do online. So I am thrilled to have Kim Fox with us today. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. That was an awesome introduction, (laughs) wasn't it? (laughs) I was pretty impressed as well. (laughs) Thinking, wow. I know. I'm so humbled. I'm like, oh, wow. (laughs) Well, I love that your Twitter Twitter handle says you are the podcast professor, as if there there are no others. You are... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you know, in, in that social media world, you got to claim it. Claim Absolutely. it. I love that so much. I think it's fantastic. Absolutely. Um, well, so my first question for you, Kim, is in that panel last year, a lot of the folks in there were teaching podcasts. They were also researching podcasts. And that's one of the reasons I was just so enamored by the whole thing. Uh, but there were so many different approaches to teaching students how to produce podcasts. And if I remember correctly, you were on the higher end of that, meaning that you were teaching them how to produce um, top-level podcasts, not necessarily something that you might produce, say, with an iPhone. No judgment. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> That's right. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, just as an example, right? <laughs> but so I would love to hear more about specifically how you're sort of raising that bar uh, but also how you managed to convert that in the pandemic. Yeah, well, there are a lot of moving parts. So I teach audio production. I think that's what distinguishes what I do from some of the panelists from uh, that last year's panel at AEJ. Okay. So, you know, with audio production, there are a couple of approaches that you can take to how you teach that specific technical skill. Uh, years ago, I sort of gave up on teaching them how to how to edit and how to work oh. intricately with Adobe Audition or hmm. any other 
audio editing software program. And I say, I say that because by default, they're going to have to do that. But I decided to put the emphasis on the storytelling. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that really, because I didn't want to alienate, I think you can alienate your students. Not I think I, I, it's happened to me when you're going too technical and you start talking about, you know, radio waves and a lot of the audio engineering specifics. Uh, so when I went to just the storytelling as- aspect or a focus on that, it really changed how the students grasp the idea of, of doing radio and audio. Oh, yeah, I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. I can absolutely see that. Are you familiar with the Cold podcast out of um, Utah? I don't think so. Is you, are you saying Cold, C-O-L-D? Yeah, Cold, C-O-L-D. Um, it's produced by Dave Cauley. Um, trying to think of the name of the station that did it but I feel like that's one of the best produced stories in podcasting he's an amazing storyteller um so yeah no I can see the difference in emphasis right some focus on the production on I guess becoming a producer whereas what you're focusing on is really crafting the story that you want the audience to hear I mean well as you know this this for what we do as professors as teachers as educators I have to decide what do I want them to know after this 12, 15 weeks is over Mm. and and you can't do it all. Right. So with your, with your learning outcomes in place, you have to say, this is how we're going to tackle those. And these are the things that we're going to do. Right. Um, and, And I didn't, I don't necessarily, if my students aren't going into audio engineering, I don't see why they need to know that high level of audio as a background. Huh? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And it seems like journalism education has moved in that direction, right? Yeah. The more that content is becoming important and the story and what we're saying seems to, you know, getting a, a heightened level of attention, um, both by audience and producers, that, you know, we're moving toward caring about that more, which I think is a good thing, right? Yes. And a lot of the technology, students have the capability of figuring out the little details themselves, or when they get their hands into it, they um, learn more as they go. Great. Yeah, I, I, the students are definitely a little bit more nimble. Uh, mm-hmm. I, w- I wouldn't say that they're tech savvy, but they're, mm-hmm. will, they're obviously here to learn. So they're willing to take that and learn how to use the equipment at least. And mm-hmm. and even so, if they're not using some professional recording equipment, I do teach them how to use their mobile device as a recording device. Okay. So I'm not looking down my nose at mobile quality audio as opposed to something that comes from a professional device. Well, that's good. I feel better. <laughs> Since we're all on mobile audio. Well, remember that, you know, coming from a journalism perspective, it's just like if you're out and about and you have a chance to interview a high ranking official and all you have is your mobile phone, then you, you know, you use what you have. Yes. And so speaking of that, Kim, how in the world did you translate your course into an online environment? I mean, I'm assuming use what you have was sort of the motto, but what did you do from the storytelling perspective? Well, actually... The audio production course was the least, the course that I had made the fewest changes in. Oh, wow. Um, We were working on an assignment called an audio diary, and it is a mobile assignment where they're gathering, they're gathering audio clips, uh, you know, of what's happening in their lives. I call it Snapchat for audio. 
And so they then take these small clips and they create a narrative, you know, with what they have. And so that was kind of easy. And that's why I said we've already, they already know how to use their phone to record because that's what most of them use. Right. Because it's easier to pull out a mobile phone and record a voice note of what's happening right now than to start a professional recorder. So that was easy. Now for the final project, we had a little bit more, I wouldn't say difficulty, but I think a lot of students adjusted their pitches for what they would do based on how they could obtain good quality audio. Right. And what I mean by that is some students opted to adjust their story so that they interviewed someone at home or someone who was close to the family. Right. I see. Uh, And those who didn't adjust their pitches, we worked on how to obtain good quality audio through remote recording, either through Zoom. A lot of them used WhatsApp, you know, which is which is not ideal, but they did get good quality audio. And then the other part of that is the narration. So we had, again, because of the audio diary, we had already worked on how to set up your, say, room, your bedroom for recording, you know, using the blanket as a tent or using a closet to do your narration. Look at that. Kelly and I know all about closets. I'm on the cutting edge. (laughs) Yes. You are there. We tend, yeah. We've, we've sat in all sorts of unusual places. (laughs) I'm sure you guys saw this over the past few weeks. This is what the professionals are doing. Yeah. And and some of them are giving you a couple of tips here and there to scale it up a little bit. But generally speaking, this kind of production has become acceptable. Yeah. 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 And then the folks, then the focus really is on the story. Right. Yeah, that's good. So as far from a story perspective, I just, you know, before we go any further, I'm just thinking in my mind, how did you get to Cairo? That's it's so um, not to leave the podcast conversation entirely, but I, I don't want to end this interview without figuring out how did you end up where you are? It's so, so interesting to me. There's a story I can share and there's one that I can't. So. <laughs> oh, oh darn! Okay. So. Well, you know which one I want, right? But I'll take the one that so you. So, <laughs> uh, no, the it's it's not a real sexy story. I saw an ad, uh, you know, posted on the Chronicle, and it was for an, someone to teach radio and audio, Cairo, and I'm like, okay. oh wow. And I just felt like the lottery. I and as I it. kept making it through every phase of the process, I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, this is really going to happen. What am I going to do? And wow. I, took, I took the leap of faith and just took the job. Oh, that's right. And, so and, and initially, initially, I was only going to be here for nine months. And, and wow. it's now been it's been over 10 years. So, yeah. What? Awesome. <laughs> exactly. I moved wow. to Cairo in 2009. How about that? Wow. And, and talk, about, talk about changes in the field. I remember when I first arrived on campus and they showed me my room where I would teach audio, you know, radio at the time. And it was just a classroom with a whiteboard and some chairs. Oh, wow. And we have, yeah. a, we have a really nice campus. And so I'm like, but we have a lot of smart classrooms. Why does the audio class <laughs> not get a smart <laughs> classroom? <laughs> so we changed a few things, but we didn't have a studio. Uh, now we do. Of course, we're not using it, but 
a lot has changed over the years when I think about podcasting and how we didn't have a studio and we didn't have a lot of fancy things. And I, we were uploading our student producer to Internet Archive and all of that content is still there. Oh, wow. So, Kim, sort of along the idea of storytelling um, and, you know, using your mobile device to capture good audio, I would love to hear your thoughts on how people could use podcasts to influence social movements. Can you repeat part of that? How people do what? How people are, could use podcasts or are using podcasts to influence social movements. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You're just having these conversations. You're bringing people to the table in a meaningful way to dialogue again, to tell the stories, uh, to capture their attention. This is a very powerful tool. We know that it's powerful because it's been around forever. You know, think about the days, you know, this is the, what the 100th anniversary of radio. And even before that, like this has longevity and it has power. So when you give people, I mean, think about when you give a young person, a teenager, a voice, a voice that will be heard. Right. This totally changes their life. And globally, right? I mean, we're not just talking about radio waves. Podcasts can easily be pushed out to a global audience. Exactly. And that's one thing that I tell my students because, you know, they're in a class and this is an obligation. And when they're producing the audio, they think it's just for me. But then when we submit their work for an award and it gets that level of recognition, it develops their confidence in ways you can't imagine that someone else found the story that they told of value. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, on the other hand, like with our podcast, um, the pandemic professors, the the field is getting crowded, right? Because anyone can create a podcast series. And by anyone, I mean, Kelly and me. (laughs) Here you are. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) You know, I mean, Kelly knew about it from a research perspective, but had not ever um, um, created a podcast um, for herself in the world. And same with me. And we just jumped in with um, very little knowledge and you know maybe that can show i don't know but um but we're not alone i mean i you know one reason i started thinking that we could do this podcast is because of the um range of podcasts that i listen to um for fun some are extremely highly produced and really um fantastic and others are like random people <laughs> like, yeah. you know those people are even you know more clueless than than i am and so at some point the the field gets very crowded, right? Because on the um, in the social space, it all sort of looks equal. Um, I guess the content and themes eventually come out where the quality rises to the top and the others are medi- mediocre. But do you have thoughts about that crowded, increased crowded field? I do have thoughts about that. I feel like there's room for everyone. You're going to find okay. your niche. You're going to find your audience. And you shouldn't be apprehensive about joining, just like the two of you. You need to get out there and you yeah. need to do it. Yeah. See, Kelly, that's a relief. There right? we go. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the expert said it's okay. That <laughs> it's, we're it's, you're good to go. <laughs> well, I remember from the panel uh, last year, Kim, everybody had their own niche. Right? I mean, exactly. and I think that's some of the beauty of podcasting is, you know, what might not have an audience for you know, global mass media could absolutely have an audience for niche in the podcasting world. 
Sure. And, and truly yeah. give them a voice, you know, elevate their voice so that they feel like their experiences are normalized and they hear other people talking about, you know, things that interest them. Yeah, so that's a good point, Kelly. And, and I guess, too, and Kim, it'd be interesting to know what you think about this. So maybe one silver lining of the pandemic is that since it's forced all of us into the online world, um, I found that, I don't know, I don't want to say kinder to content that's coming my way, but where things that I might have dismissed, mm-hmm. I might take a look at now because, you know, I'm, I'm living online and, you know, I, w- I want to know what's happening and all of that. So in that sense, you know, maybe it's an a, even a you know, better opportunity for those who are jumping in. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it is a, an opportunity for everyone who's jumping in. I don't know if you saw a few weeks ago that there were some Australians who had put together sort of a public service campaign about just because it's, you know, kind of COVID times and we're at home, it doesn't mean you should start a podcast. <laughs> and uh, so they, they got, wow. so they, they did an entire video and a whole series and it got a little bit of backlash where people were just like, yeah. well, sure. It's a good time to, to consider doing a podcast. Like don't take away our time in the spotlight. Like podcasting is getting some notoriety. Yeah. Um, for both good and bad, because I don't know if you also saw the, the numbers, obviously, for commuters and listening went down over part of this True. period. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but some yeah. people did opt to start podcasts. So, yeah, get a, get out there and do it. Right. So, Kim, what, if not now. When? Right. Um, Kim, what do you think about podcasts in the education field? You know, like Carol and I launch podcasts for our classes. How do you, what do you see the future of that being? How do you think that works? I mean, my approach to podcasting and audio is, is a little bit different than some. And again, I take it, like you say, it's a little bit high end or it can be, but I have to indoctrinate my students in a way that's a step-by-step process, just like everyone else. Uh, and as I look to the fall, it's just like, yeah, how am I going to do that where I don't have the luxury of the six weeks of face-to-face that I had this past spring? Right. So... Right. It is going to be a little bit more tricky to pull that off. But I think my point is it's you have going back to the learning outcomes. What do you want the students to learn this semester? And then that dictates how are you going to get them to those learning outcomes? Uh, And one of the ways that I do it is we do a a, a simple podcast. I call the roundtable discussion kind of what we're doing now is it's, it's simple. Like I tell the students, like you don't need anything except for to be able to sit down and talk. Right. Them, that helps them find their voice and get comfortable. Nervous, but that's the first step. And then we go on to more <laughs> intricate projects, you know, like the audio diary. And there are a few others in between there, but eventually working up to that narrative, not fiction piece. Yeah, that's good. It is interesting as far as trying to feel comfortable with your own voice, because I yeah. think we tend to not like the sound of our voice and our, of our own voices. And so when we're dealing with um, media that only are dealing with voices, I know it's taken me a while to get over to not just absolutely cringe when I hear myself. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, that's been quite interesting. Um, so we're nearing the end of our time. Kim, um, tell us, what, um, have you all decided what's happening for the fall, what you're hoping is happening for the fall on your campus? And, and where are you in that 
um, as far as related to the I'm virus. just on the fence about it, actually. But uh, my chair mm-hmm. actually spoke to me recently in the, in the past few days to ask me, you know, what would it look like? What would I be comfortable with? And I suggested that I would like to have my, my skills courses to be face-to-face for at least three to four weeks so mm-hmm. that we could do some, jump right in with the tutorials on the software and using equipment because they will st- still be able to check out equipment. And I think that will be helpful. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then we yeah. can move everything to, to online. And I think it'll be helpful in terms of just getting to know them and seeing them uh, face-to-face will be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what we're all sort of hoping for. It's like we can just hold on and have three or four weeks of face to face. We can, right. we can, we can do it. Yes, like we did. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But has your university made an overall statement of what the university itself is? You doing? know what they did, and I've been really busy. It just came out a few, maybe an hour ago. And and I haven't had a chance to read it. So, (laughs) I mean, I've been really busy like all day today and I'm like, oh yeah, you should read that email. Uh, But in in my mind, I just feel like, what do you know, what is, what are we doing? I can do that. I'm not stressed out over like, if they say we're going to do face to face and then it might go to online. I'm like, I can, I can turn myself into all of these things. I can be the chameleon that's needed during this time. If you don't have that mindset, then you will stress yourself out. Yeah, yeah, I think that is an excellent point. And I think that's a great point to end um, this with. And so yeah, this has been a great conversation. We've had some tech- technological difficulties, which is, I think, power for the course, especially in this conversation, how we still power through. And so I appreciate yeah. your flexibility of hanging with us and across multiple time zone changes Um, Kelly, this is a great find. I'm so glad you thought of Kim. Um, Do you have any last words? I've got one last question for Kim, and it's a short one. But Kim, do you have a favorite podcast? If so, I would love to know what it is. I mean, I love Ear Hustle. Ear Hustle has the best storytelling and the camaraderie of the host. It's a good one. Yes, I totally agree. Uh I love, love Ear Hustle. And and I like it. It's familiar, but it's produced by the prisoners inside of San Quentin. Yes. And then there's the stoop. I I always talk about the stoop whenever I can. It's two black women who are podcasters and they're, they're based out of uh, the West coast. I want to say Los Angeles or San Francisco, but I mean, I have a nice short list of podcasts that I absolutely listen to on a regular basis. I might have to email you for those. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, those are two great suggestions and I'm going to look them up and, and Kelly, I'm not even going to be bothered that she didn't mention pandemic (laughs) professors. Yes. At the I thought that was I thought that was a given, so I didn't mention it. <laughs> I, see, I see. And so with that, um, to say to our millions of listeners, again, thank you all for uh, tuning in to Pandemic Professors. Great to talk with you, Kim and Kelly. It's always great to catch up with you every week, and I will see you next week. Absolutely. Thank Thank you so much, Kim. Thank you. Thanks, Kim. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.